Welcome to the Moose and Moves podcast. This is episode 118 of the pod, and Matt, it is football season. I don't uh, really so, realize how we like survive. I don't know. Another shout another out summer, doing. another just summer with no football that we that we braved. You know, pat pat us on the back here for making I'm, it through. I am patting myself on the back right now. But Good now job, we man. will we will have at least a game. Every week, every weekend from now until, what's the Super Bowl, February, I think second week in February this year? Yeah, so the week before that. Yeah, so uh, just uh, the best time of year coming down the pipe. I know uh, it's starting to cool off a little bit in the Chicagoland area, but that comes, mm, that comes, hand, comes hand in hand. Yeah, enjoy this, enjoy this three-week fall that we have here before, uh, before winter comes. How nice but, is but, it having pretty much fall 24-7 there? That, that's got to be kind of nice. It's nice. I mean, summer. Summer's no BS. Like it was. It was two weeks ago. It was a hundred and five. Daytime, nighttime didn't matter. Like it was just hot. Um, but we've cooled off, and you know, football season's just gorgeous out here. It's about seventy degrees and a little breeze. Sun always shining. It's uh, it's fantastic stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna get down into the trenches. We're gonna talk a, a little bit of Midwest football. We got Phil Goff coming on the pod here to uh, give us a preview on Notre Dame season. Phil Goff of the One Foot Down podcast and the One Foot Down SB Nation blog. He's very in touch and, and lends some some great insight to what we can expect out of the Irish this year. The but we're going to go everywhere first. He does. We're going to go everywhere first. We're going to predict some conference winners. We're going to predict a, uh, a college football playoff. Uh, we're going to jump into some segments, and then uh, we're going to give you the first of many locks of the week and Word to the wise, we're early in the season here. Fading moose and runes is often a good way to make money uh, weeks so one through five. You, so usually it is, but I'm, I'm, as I told you, we, we talked about You're it. coming in sure. on a little heater. Here. I'm not sure if it made the interview or if I'm going to cut that part, but I, mm-hmm. I'm hot to start the year, Joe. I'm, okay. I'm a cool 4-0 with 3-0, 4-0, whatever. I have not lost yet. I'm on a roll here. And Kids I hot. Think, I, think the, I think the people should not fade me early on. With Rob, that being said, I was going to say, with that being said, um, I don't know, I don't know if I feel safe in posing this question to you because you're you're just like Rain Man right now. But we need to come up with some sort of uh, some sort of winner loser season long uh, prize here, whether it be monetary, uh, golf related, something to that effect. We we. We could take it to Twitter, give them a couple options, let the Moose and Runes fans vote about the season-long I don't hate that. The season-long lock of the week. If, uh, if they come up with a prize or, or a, a, you know, whatever that we don't like and we don't want to fulfill, we uh-huh. can just come up with our own. We veto it. We 100% yeah. veto we do, it. But I, we, that's our, that's a, we maintain veto power, Moose and yeah. Runes listeners. Yeah. So if you suggest well, we, something we don't like and that wins the vote... We don't have to do it. We, we, we get the listeners involved, but we do not sacrifice creative license. That's just where there we draw go. the line. That's just right. smart. That's just smart uh, right there. Matt, uh, sacrifices have been made all summer long to get ready for this week. To be To here. get ready right for here week one, moment. to be right here. Um, a lot of terrible football games in week one. A couple good ones, but uh, uh, let's let's just rattle it off. Let's go down. 
uh, Power Five conference and, and say what we expect, um, who we expect to come out, and uh, and and we'll go from there. But uh, let's sure. start things off uh, alphabetically in the ACC. I, I don't think there's any surprise or any uh, any questioning who is the favorite here. But uh, I have Clemson coming out of the ACC with with little to no. Um, pushback from the rest of the conference. No, it, it's going to be Clemson. They will, I believe they go to Syracuse again this year, which, I mean, obviously they lost there two years ago. That's a tricky place to go and play. They'll still probably be fine to win that game by two or three. Clemson touchdowns. at Syracuse on September 14th. It's my birthday. Get me something. Congratulations. Uh, probably not. You live in California, so it'd be hard mm-hmm. to get it there. Um, the mail works. Yeah, it, yeah, but then I got to take it to a post <laughs> office, put it in a box. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, I, I, Clemson's going to come out of that conference fairly easily. I think that's kind of the one blip on their radar. They'll, they'll probably play Virginia Tech or Miami in the ACC championship game, and they'll mm-hmm. be you know, 24-point favorites, and they'll cover that. Um, it, it's really been a weird fall from grace for this conference because you know two, three years ago, you look at it, you had you know Lamar Jackson at Louisville, and they were a really, really good football team. You had Jameis Winston at Florida State, and Florida State seemed to be on the rise. And now both of those teams have kind of fallen off a cliff and they're not all that good anymore. Obviously Florida state has at least some expectations this year to at least be, you know, an eight and three or excuse me, eight and four, nine and three type team. Louisville has none. Um, the other division, the coastal division, I mean, it has Virginia tech and Miami, but those two, again, you're not really expecting much more than eight and four, nine and three from on a good year. Uh, it's been a weird fall from grace for the ACC, but they still have, the best team in the country and that's Clemson and they're going to roll through that conference. It's not much yeah. previewing of that conference to do other than say no, but, uh, Clemson's you, a I lot think you better hit than it, everybody else. I think you hit the nail on the head there and for that pre pre week one, whatever you want to call it, opening night uh, between Florida and Miami, I understand it's week one, but Miami's got a lot of cleaning up to do. Um, I, I think that so Florida, but we'll talk it, about that. I think that there's, I think that there's a, that there's talent there, but Manny Diaz really needs to um, channel that talent in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, as you said, Clemson head and shoulders above everyone else. I, I think they're undefeated in the college football playoff and in, in the final again this season. I just think that they're in that kind of groove of dominance right now. Uh, I do think Florida State will take a step forward this year. Um, as Willie I hope Taggart, so. college football is better. Well, I think last year we saw Willie Taggart coaching a team that wasn't his own, and sometimes that's tough. Sometimes guys still want their previous coach, or the yeah. culture has yet to shift. I think as he starts getting his players in there, we will see a Florida State resurgence. Now, will it take them forever and a day to get to where Clemson is right now? Yes, yes. because Clemson is as dominant as any team we've seen in the last two decades, or in my estimation, any team that I've seen in all my days of watching college football. So. I think that just to shine some light on someone else, I think Florida State does take a step forward this year with Willie Taggart. I I, I hope you're right. Um, I'm kind of, I guess, I'm kind of leaning the other way on Florida State. I kind of okay. Think, I, I I think Boise State's now down to a six point underdog because that game got moved to Tallahassee from uh, from where I think it might have been Orlando. Honestly, I don't really know where it was originally scheduled. I know, excuse me, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a neutral site game. Now it's in Tallahassee because of the hurricane. I I have no faith in Florida State. I've seen uh, what's his name. Um, I think it was Willie Blackman. I'm not really sure what the name, the first name of the quarterback. He beat out Alex Hornibrook for that starting quarterback job there. I've seen him play football now to, for you know the last two seasons. He's not very good. Florida State's 
I would hope Willie Taggart has been able to recruit there, but that's also a head coaching hire that seems like, you know, Jimbo Fisher left them kind of late. They got left at the altar there with nobody else to go hire, and they just kind of had a fallback plan of Willie Taggart. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to work out. I think Florida State is going to take another step back this year. I think they'll eventually kind of be back to where they want to go because they are Florida State, but I don't think that's this year. That said, we're both on the same page here. This is Clemson's conference barring several major injuries. Yep. That's really the only um, way Clemson doesn't win the ACC. Completely agree with you there. Let's uh, keep things trucking to the Big Ten now. Obviously, uh, our home conference, a uh, lot of uh, – a lot of good teams, but are there great teams this season? We will find out. Uh, you have an, an Ohio State team that uh, that comes in strong. Penn State, I think a lot of teams are sleeping on Penn State's defense right now and what they can do on the defensive end. Michigan, again, looks to be right there in the thick of things. So I think the, the Big Ten... It's a tale well, of two divisions, really. It, it is. The East, I, I just rattled off those teams, and those are all teams in the East. I think the West is anyone's to take whether Northwestern has another kind of Cinderella season and then gets their brains beat out in the, uh, in the big 10 championship mm-hmm. or Iowa gets to where they expect to be or Wisconsin hands the ball off 75 times a game to Jonathan Taylor and they do their thing. However, it shakes down in the West. I think that the representative possibly in the college football playoff as teams can stay clean coming out of the East will come out of the East. So I guess with that being said, my big 10 championship game this season is Wisconsin versus Ohio state as chalk as that sounds. Um, I think Wisconsin's projected as number two in the West in most, uh, in most rankings, whereas Ohio state's one in the East. But um, yeah, I just think Ohio state has the momentum. I think Ohio state has the firepower. I think Ohio state has um, the type of program where kids are still going uh, five-star recruits are still going. Do I think they could get tripped up by uh, Michigan or a Penn State? Yes, but in terms of Michigan, history tells me otherwise, and Penn State I don't know enough about. So I'm going Ohio State over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. I, mean, uh, I Tell me why – So this might be I – mean, I know you're a couple years removed from Nebraska now from mm-hmm. Lincoln – why are so many people so high on Lincoln, Nebraska? Is it really I'll tell just you exactly because why. Scott Frost is in his second season and people no, think he's it, going to magically turn things? What's going on there? Because a lot of – I've seen you know Adrian Martinez as a dark horse Heisman. I've seen Nebraska as a dark horse playoff team, which I, I just don't buy. They were a 4-8 football team last year. I think I am, they can take a step forward this year. But what's going on there that has people so excited? Or is it just am, because it's Nebraska? I am on board with the Nebraska turnaround this year. I think that this is the is a Scott Frost is our head coach. No, you will not see maybe a, maybe a seven-win team this year, I think. Okay. Seven, if they play out of their minds, there's eight on that schedule. I don't think there's any more than that. But the reason for the hype and all the excitement around the team, I think, is it's a, a lot of slingshot from how bad they've been and how good they want to be. And a lot of times you know, you bridge that gap a little bit earlier than you need to. Yes, Scott Frost is a big part of the belief, but what they've done in the last two years is they've completely revamped a roster. Now, whether they've lowered academic standards or whatever they've had to do, they've brought in, I don't know the exact number, but a good number, more than a dozen um, JUCO players and transfers. And I think that number is probably closer to 25 or 30 JUCO and transfers. I looked at the roster the other day, I'm two years removed. I should know some names on that roster, freshmen and sophomore and redshirts. Yeah. 
I know 10 names on that roster right now. They've had so much turnover that as we were talking about with Willie Taggart, getting his guys in there, getting his, um, his sort of, uh, culture in the building scott mm-hmm. frost has done that and he's done that quickly i'm not as high on adrian martinez as other people are i think he's young and still mistake prone but they do have a lot of talent around him this year guys that have been brought in i think that's where the excitement's coming from is that they've brought in a lot of talent from guys that were committed to other places to ohio states uh guys who went and did a year at a big power five school and didn't get the time or the looks that they wanted but they still have the talent sean sean eichhorst yeah sean eichhorst John Eichhorst had a no-JUCO policy. He would not let Mike Riley touch JUCO transfers or recruits. Scott Frost came in and said, "This is contingent. I will come here and coach contingent. I can go take these players from other teams. Yeah. And I think that's where the excitement and maybe the, um, the increase in athleticism will be this year for, uh, for Nebraska. I, I'm glad to hear that because it sounds like Scott Frost at least has that program a little bit back on the right track. I'm with you in Wisconsin, though, representing that division. Jonathan Taylor's very good. Wisconsin is just always really pretty good. Mm-hmm. That division's so weak. Um, I don't think Northwestern's going to be what they were last year, but I, mean, we, I feel like we say that every year, and they somehow still keep churning up the <laughs> season. Um, I'm also going to go Ohio State, but I, I really I, I don't know why, and it's probably going to come back to bite me at the end of the year. Michigan State is for whatever reason, a team that keeps creeping in the back of my brain, like, hey, watch out for these guys. Brandon LeWork, I believe, is back. Um, I, I know he wasn't great last year, but he was hurt. Michigan State, especially uh, the, the last few years, or the last couple seasons, has been very efficient at bouncing back after, you know, underachieving type years. I know that's a good division, but they play defense. They can run the football. Um, that, that's a team to watch out for in the East, but at the end of the day, like you said, I, I know Urban Meyer's not there anymore, but his talent still is. The talent he's recruited still is. Um, they have Justin Fields now at quarterback, so it, it shouldn't be that much. Obviously, Dwayne Haskins was an elite talent, um, but it shouldn't be that much of a drop-off in the talent level at quarterback because Justin Fields was you know, a five-star recruit and the, the top recruit in the country. Um, it, it's, it's Ohio State's conference until they lose, so I, either of us would not be very intelligent to pick against Ohio State at this point. Um they still own Jim Harbaugh. They still own Michigan at this point. So until they win, I, I'm not going to go against Ohio State in that conference, in that division. Uh, Penn State, though, you, you touched the on success, well. That's going to be a the, fun team to watch this year because James Franklin has recruited so yeah. well. They have a lot of talent coming back. Uh, they get Michigan at home. They have to go to Ohio State, but they get Michigan at home. And I, I think for me that Michigan at Penn State might be, uh, outside of Ohio State-Michigan, might be the, the game of the year in the Big Ten. Hmm. Definitely one to, to keep an eye, eye out for. Uh, Matt, let's uh, keep things trudging along here to the Big 12. Uh, a couple big-name players have moved conferences, uh, namely Jalen Hurts will be under center for the Oklahoma Sooners this year, looking to become the third consecutive uh, Oklahoma quarterback to win the Heisman. Uh, we'll, we'll have more on that later. That, that, that's a tease. Oh, I was going to tease it. Me neither, but whatever. Don't you have that in buy or sell? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, well, a little bit more on that later, but Matt, when you, when you look at the Big 12, what jumps out to you? Because for me, I think this is the year that Texas finally gets one over on Oklahoma. I tend to agree with you. I think um, I just want that to happen. I don't know if I believe it'll happen, but I, I just I don't like I don't want to spoil too far into the podcast. I I think Jalen Hurts is a very nice quarterback. I don't think he's 
Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield good. I, I guess. Did you just give him a bless his heart treatment? Did you just I give did. Jalen Hurts no, a bless his heart? I mean, he, he's a national champion and he's been to the playoff like three times, so it's hard for me to give him a bless his heart. Um, <laughs> he's a very good quarterback and he's a nice player. He just I don't think he's as good as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield was. That said, I think this is the I don't want to say the ultimate test for Lincoln Riley, but I think this year we'll kind of see how good of a head coach he is, how good of an offense he runs. Um, because I think you have, again, I'm saying this about a five-star recruit quarterback who's you know won a national championship and been to two more playoffs than Jalen Hurts, but I don't think he has that same talent level. And if he can still have an offense that has that uh, type of efficiency that it's had the last couple of years, Mm-hmm. And has Jalen Hurts playing as, as well as the other two, then yeah, I think you have the maybe the best head coach in the country. But at the same time, I'm just not quite a believer because I still think you need that talent. I don't think Jalen Hurts has that talent. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think this is the year that Texas finally does kind of get over that hump. And I really do think this is more of a two-team type race in this conference. I think West Virginia is going to take a step back as much as they don't want them to losing Will Greer, uh, losing uh, Dana Holgerson to, to Houston, which was a really weird head coaching hire. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa State's going to be fine. Texas Tech doesn't have their head coach, not that Cliff Kingsbury was, was ever that great. I just – it seems like a pretty weak conference after those two, so I think you're seeing those two play, what's it, uh, October 12th, and then I think we're going to see them play again in the Big 12 championship game. It, it's a Texas-Oklahoma conference. Yeah. It's definitely a Texas-Oklahoma conference, but I think this conference might be decided by not only that Texas-Oklahoma game, but whoever gets upset by Iowa State. I think that Iowa State has a way of uh, of jumping up and, and catching somebody year over year. And know, this David year, uh, I think most uh, most yeah, but most polls still have no, them. I don't. I don't know 20, what the last one looks like. Yeah, and, and most polls have them in that top twenty-five. So they're probably three behind Texas in the Texas Big Twelve. Texas has to go to Iowa State. Matt yeah, Campbell so was a very, very good there. head coach. Uh, I believe their quarterbacks back. Uh, I believe that they might. Have been, I want to say he was a freshman or sophomore last year. So I think they have a quarterback that's back. Yeah, looking uh, at it for, here, for November. November 16th, Iowa State at, te- or excuse me, Texas at Iowa, Iowa State. But a big one coming up uh, just next week, LSU at Texas. That's so a good a one on September that, that, 7th. I think we'll learn a lot about Texas that the day. Season. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, is, the, is Sam Ellinger the, the guy we saw against Georgia last year or is the mm-hmm. guy we saw with some growing pains uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the season last year? I hope Texas is back because I think much like we talked about with Florida State and the ACC, when Texas is good, college football is better. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're one of those schools. So I, I'm I'm a big Hookem guy this year. I, I do think they're going to come out of the Big Twelve. Uh, I think they will. I'm I'm not sure they're going to win that October twelfth game against Oklahoma, but I do think they uh, they kind of get their vengeance. I think they win the Big Twelve in a Big Twelve championship game over Oklahoma. Uh, Matt, let's move things to the the forgotten conference, the Pac twelve. Um, what a fall from grace. Really, from, it really has been from the days of Oregon dominance not too long ago, um, but a, a bit of a fall from grace. We're kind of in a bit of a Washington era now, uh, maybe a U, a, a U, approaching a Utah era. Uh, U.S. You know, man. doors open for USC, but how good are they? Type situation. I I, I don't have a, a pony here, so I guess. My uh, my knee jerk is to always lean on historic programs, so I guess I have USC coming out of the South, and uh, 
I don't know, Washington chalk coming out of, uh, coming out of the North and then whatever happens, happens there. But I just don't know much about any of these teams in the PAC 12. I'll be completely honest. Well, that's surprising because you live out there. I, this was kind of supposed to be. Yeah, but we cover NFL. Now, we, uh, the college football we covered out here is UC. I could tell you anything you want to know about UC Davis and Sac State, but like Fortunately. college. Unfortunately, college I don't football. think I or many of the listeners have. Well, we can we can make some money on those two teams. So you ask me hey, a couple if questions. There, if there's a financial uh, <laughs> windfall to, to come had, I will happily ask you some UC Davis questions. But uh, I don't know the line. I don't know the line. But uh, UC Davis traveling to FBS opponent Cal this weekend. Short drive to Berkeley. I mm, think the UC yeah, Davis boys are going to stand up. So if that if that number's bigger than fourteen, you you throw some shackles down on UC Davis, my friend. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely take a look at that one. Um, I'm going <laughs> to go completely different. You you had uh, you I'm sorry you had USC and Washington. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? I'm going to go Oregon. Um, okay. I think that they have just back. Uh, that, that North's a tough division. Obviously, Washington is always pretty competitive with Chris Peterson. They, they have been for the last however many years with him at the helm. Oregon has the quarterback. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent coming back. It, obviously, they got a big one at Auburn, but that doesn't really uh, mean much, obviously, in terms of conference play. Um, Jesus, Joe, come on, man. I'm trying to talk here. You're getting text messages while I'm trying now, to this was a, give this a, is a very in-depth much in-depth breakdown of the pack. Oh, this is a Phil Goff text. I was going to say, it was very much an inception uh, text we got there. So uh, the interview coming up with Phil Goff here in a few moments was taped a few moments ago, and that was Phil thanking us for the interview we did a few moments ago that you're about to hear in a few minutes. So very some of us, inception. Some of us put our phone on silent or vibrate. That, that was my computer. Rain. That wasn't my phone. I have too many some devices. Some of us have. But, okay. Just saying. You okay. didn't hear it. Can we get through the Pac-12 and yeah, talk about some I'm going to go with Oregon, obviously. Justin Herbert, they have the best player in the conference coming back. Uh, they have a lot of talent. And in the South, I, I, technically, I, I might, I'm going off what we've already seen from last night. I like mm-hmm. Utah. Utah plays good defense. Kyle Whittingham's a very good head coach. I, I think that's a pretty weak division. USC coming out of that division wouldn't shock me because they're USC and they should have all that talent. I just don't really believe in what they have going on there until Urban Meyer's hired. Um, so I'm going to go with Utah. I'm going to go with Oregon in, in a Pac-12 championship. And I think Oregon wins it just because I think they have the best player in the conference at the most important position. I like it. Uh, let's move from the forgotten to the dominant. Uh, the SEC once again reigns supreme in my estimation this year. Uh, I think we're firmly in line for Georgia Alabama part three and you could sign me up sign for that up today for I'll, I'll, because those have been right some now. fantastic football games just as I think we're in line for another Alabama Clemson final I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same beats a lot of the same matchups um, but in looking at this one when you put Georgia and Alabama on a field together it's an anything can happen type situation I need to see something uh out of Georgia to help to make me believe they're a better football team than Alabama and in a head-to-head matchup will beat Alabama. But until then, I still got to roll with Alabama coming out of the SEC. Yeah, I I, I want to pick Georgia. I, I want a reason totally. to jump on Georgia. Huge Jake Fromm guy. Like, them. I love Jake Fromm, and he's yeah. going to be you know a, a top-five draft pick next year if he really wants to be. If he has the year he should, they're going to roll through the East because really their main competition was Florida, and Florida, as we saw in Week 0, kind of stinks. Um, that said, and I think not to, uh, uh, not to digress here, but I do think Fromm comes out because he doesn't want to be in the same draft as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You, that's you don't Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick 
tomorrow if he wants to be. Yeah, is is nice for players too. Is going to be be in as high as his draft stock is going to be. Jake Fromm can compete with that. I, there's yeah. no competing with Trevor Lawrence. You're gonna um, you're gonna hear a lot of the smear campaigns about Tua and his long release, and guys don't like catching balls from lefty and what lefty has ever won, and he's undersized and all that. So I just don't think there's an angle to take from a press standpoint to make Jake Fromm a better looking pick than Trevor Lawrence two years from now. I'm with you. Uh, that's, but we just we just digress. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's not get into you know, the RNFL preview. College football playoff 2020 coming at you 365 days from now. We could probably predict at least two, two or three of the teams right? at this point. That said, I, I think we're headed for Bama, Georgia, part three, which, like you said, sign me up for right now because those are great football games. Mm-hmm. I want a reason to pick Georgia. I really do. I, I know how close they've been to Bama the last couple of years. It's really been, I mean, two plays. That uh, the uh, two was touchdown pass to, to walk it off in overtime, and that fake punt for whatever reason that was ran last year. I mean, really, those two plays, if you look at them, if you take those two out of the equation, th- those are two very even teams. I want to pick Georgia. I just can't do it. I cannot yeah. pick until I see it happen. I cannot pick Kirby Smart over Nick Saban. I can't pick Georgia over Alabama. So Alabama is going to come out of the SEC. I, I still think both of those teams might be playoff teams. Um, because Georgia doesn't really have the tough schedule. I, I think they're one. I, I unfortunately have them beating Notre Dame at home as, as much as I love Notre Dame. I, I think that's their toughest game on the schedule right now, outside of maybe Texas A&M. I, I think Georgia wins that game. I think they go undefeated into the SEC championship game. I think they lose a close one and still get into the playoff. Um, but that said, right now, I, I think Alabama does win that SEC championship game in Atlanta over Georgia. I've got... Um... I've got a lot of Missouri fans in my ears telling me how good Mizzou is going to be this See, year. Now they're don't not. They also have the. Uh, they they're have not bowl eligible. Though, right? They're not bowl eligible. They've appealed, so they're going to find out. I don't know when, but a ruling on whether or not they'll be able to play yeah. in any sort of postseason football. But uh, the tutoring scandal—they've been given a a postseason ban uh, this season. I think it's just this season. Um, but uh, looking at their schedule. They could very well find themselves seven and zero, eight and zero, heading into November. Um, yeah. Not the toughest schedule in the world, and I'm told by all the Mizzou stands that it's going to be a very talented football team. Um, there were signs of it last year, so I wouldn't doubt it. But uh, I think Mizzou could make for some fun games there in the SEC as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they they have that not the most difficult schedule, and especially early on, I, I believe they have. Like you were saying, that they have the potential to start off eight and zero, and it wouldn't be all that big of a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. going into that Georgia game, and that would be a fun one. But again, it's, it, they have the postseason ban, so it's kind of like a that's great, good for you, but at the same time, you're not really going anywhere, even if you're 8-0 and you're going to Georgia. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, before we jump into this interview with Phil Goff, let's just give our knee-jerk a quick reaction. Uh, college football playoff. You don't have to justify why or when or what, but give okay. me your four teams that you think are there uh, come uh, come January. Uh, Alabama, Clemson. I think those are easy. Um, I I was on Georgia, so I'm going to say Georgia loses that game but still gets in because I think they'll be undefeated, lose a close one to Bama, and the committee will put them in. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on this last one. I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 get snubbed again. I'm going to go Texas. Come Um, on. You just literally stole – well, I, you I was shouldn't gonna, have let me. You shouldn't have let me. I go know first. that's why I I'm always gonna go Texas. I'm going to go hook them. 
That's uh, why I always uh, give my predictions first. I think they're going to go. I think they're going to lose to Oklahoma in the regular season. I think they're going to beat Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship, and I think that will propel them in. Um, but I, really, it's going to come down for me to Texas or Ohio State, and probably okay, who I, has the more impressive resume. I'm going to go Texas. I know I said we didn't have to justify here, but let's say they lose to Oklahoma regular season. They beat Oklahoma in the Big Ten championship. Sure. How do they How do they get in over an Ohio State team that had one slip-up loss but beat Michigan and won the Big Ten championship? Well, in that case, I'm not sure they do. I just think Ohio yeah. State has a very difficult schedule this year. And yeah. they don't – like they have the talent, obviously, because it's still Urban Meyer's talent. They don't really have Urban Meyer anymore. They, yeah. they got a tough schedule. They have to go to Nebraska and then follow that uh, follow, that follows uh, Michigan State they have right after. They got a two Northwestern, Wisconsin. That, that's a tough four-week stretch there, Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Completely, completely I would not different be shocked teams. if they get slipped up there. They have to go to Michigan, and right before that, they have Penn State at home, who even home or away, Penn State always seems to play Ohio State tough. It's a tough division. Completely different team, um, completely different trajectory. But the last time Ohio State was in Lincoln, Nebraska, I was uh, on the sideline and watched them score 62 points and watched the stadium empty in the third quarter. So, You think um, Scott Frost is going to have that game on repeat in the weight room? Probably. I think probably. So. Uh, but to mix it up a little bit, I guess, I, my reasoning – for putting Clemson, Alabama, Georgia in is because of the three best teams head and shoulders above anyone else in this country. So I I go with those three. And then I do believe that things, the way things will shake down and and matriculate, I think Texas is that fourth team. Um, So I'm going to agree with you there. But uh, I guess if you needed a a sleeper in there, I'd plug Ohio State. I I don't know. Yeah, well, um, what, what but a I'm going with, that but is. I'm going with Texas. Well, I'm saying or not a no, sleeper, no, but, I, but I, a, I'm not a departure from, from the situation. From your that college football decision. Kinda, it's kind of what college football's turned into. It's it's I don't want to call it quite you know NBA level of a couple of years ago, but it's yeah. getting a little bit predictable. There's two teams. I have no problem with that though. Has. I'm okay with it, be, like because there are still teams that can get them and m- might eventually do it, but. That's kind of where we are in college football. There's two if, teams head and shoulders above everybody else. There's, in my opinion, one that's just below them. And then but you have to look at just below that. You have to look at the why, and the why in the NBA is largely because of the movement of players um, to these teams. The why in the college ranks is yes, the players, but that's a result of recruiting and success begetting success, not yeah. going to play with your friends and this and that. It's 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 rooted in something different. Um, and I think it's always been like that in college football, maybe not to this extent or with these sort of stretches of success that we've seen out of Alabama. Yeah. Um, maybe Real Clemson, time. you know, that dynastic feel, but um, there's always been dynasties. There always will be dynasties because the winning teams go get the best players. It's just how it yeah. works. It's, it's always been how it works, and especially the last couple of years, I think we've kind of seen that, you know, magnified with, with Alabama and Clemson. Well, um, uh, Matt. So are we doing before, Heisman, you got a picks, previews, whatever. Trevor now, Lawrence. You want to do that? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I was going to say, give, give, me, give me a name other than Trevor Lawrence or Tua that you think could win it, or maybe like you know a, a little value pick if if any of the Jonathan Taylor. Uh, if, if Wisconsin, if Wisconsin has any chance of winning a Big Ten championship, it's going to be on the back of Jonathan Taylor, and um, I think there's a possibility in that happening. Um, he's the best back I think in the country. He yeah. has been. And I think if he continues to get better, um, I think he's one of those backs that 
his workload's going to be so big that it's going to be a detriment to him in his professional career because he's put so many miles um, on that odometer. But that's yeah. looking down the road. But in terms of uh, who's sitting there in New York um, the week before the national championship, I think uh, Jonathan Taylor will be one of the guys sitting there. I think you'd have a chance if you in Travis Etienne. Uh, he, he's coming mm-hmm. back, obviously, and that offense is so dynamic. They run the football really, really well. But like you said, no matter how good that offense is and how well Etienne runs the ball, you still have Trevor Lawrence you know, as your quarterback. And if that offense is putting up a ton of points because of the running game, Trevor Lawrence is still going to get a lot of the credit. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think you could probably just give him the Heisman right now. Um, if you want a dark horse, though, if you can call it that, I'm going to say Jake Fromm. Um, he's kind of going a little bit under the radar because of mm-hmm. how highly rated Tua and Trevor Lawrence are. It's his third year starting. He, he's in, obviously, the SEC, which is Harold's best conference in football. So if he has a good year against that competition, you'll see him get some credit. I think he'll be there in New York. That's a team that if they do go undefeated, they do run the table and somehow you know manage to knock off Alabama and be 13-0 headed into the playoff. Might be a, a little bit of a career, you know, a, a career achievement award, I guess, for him because this is now his third year Absolutely. starting. Um, so I guess that's the dark horse for me, if you can call it a dark horse. But like you said, it's it's probably, in all honesty, Trevor Lawrence's award to lose at this point. Uh, I don't think there is any Heisman-level talent on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this Ian year. Book. But, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to bring Phil Goff in here to give us an in-depth look at the Irish's season to come. He's very high on a couple players, especially on that defensive side of the ball. So without further ado, let's welcome in Phil Goff from the One Foot Down podcast. We welcome in now Phil Goff from the One Foot Down podcast, the SB Nation arm of Notre Dame football. He's here to shed some light on Notre Dame as we approach a Monday kick, if I'm mistaken, with Louisville. Monday and, night. Uh, it is going to be uh, an exciting start to the season. Phil, uh, first of all, thank you as always for joining us here um, before the football season and, and during as you do quite often. So uh, I know the people always enjoy your uh, your in-depth analysis of Notre Dame football here. But uh, let us know before we before we dive in, what's new in, in the world of One Foot Down? Anything new and exciting? Yeah, so we've actually launched uh, one of our own podcasts, which has been exciting. Beautiful. So I'm on there every once in a while. Um, upcoming this season, I'll be doing a little bit more in-depth film analysis piece um, featuring one play from each game and breaking it down more from an X's nose perspective. Love and it. then we'll be launching a – and it'll be on Tuesdays. And then on Thursdays going into Fridays, a hot and cold take section, which allows fans to give their own opinions about the games and then for me to make my own and then roast them and roast myself about horribly wrong predictions. Beautiful. Which is always, uh, which is fun. You've always been pretty good at hot and cold takes. I was going to say, so coldest far. off-season take you've heard thus far. Ooh, I like Coldest? That. Coldest. Yeah. That's a pro um, right there. Man, I would say – just a general like cold consensus has been the Notre Dame's going to go nine and three. Okay. You know what? Th- like, can we start there? Because honestly, Phil, that's kind of my biggest fear here. I think Notre Dame has a pretty good football team. I think they have a pretty good quarterback. Their depth terrifies me, and their schedule terrifies me. So tell me why Notre Dame isn't going to go nine and three. Why are they going to be better than nine and three this year? So I think to start off, they play at Michigan and at Georgia, um, and I true. think I. I think they're going to take one out of two of those. And I don't know which one yet because I need to see Georgia's new receivers and I need to see 
if Shea has made some pretty big strides or continues the momentum from the end of last year for Michigan. Um, and so I, I think we're going to take one or two of those. I don't think we're going to take both. Um, and so I'm my I'm kind of right in between uh, ten and two and eleven and one because um, mm-hmm. the rest of the games that that scare me a little bit are God, you know between US USC Stanford Virginia Tech and Virginia. I, I don't really I it just again without any injuries or concerns I'm leaning towards eleven and one realistically ten and two with a you know New Year's six type bowl game is kind of where I feel good about. And that, that's kind of been, despite expectation, that's kind of been the result uh, that, that's come in these late years of the Brian Kelly era, not to say that we're in the latter years or wherever we're at in the Brian Kelly era. I'm sure if you ask Matt, you'd get a different question or a different answer, excuse me. But um, I've been very bipolar on the Brian Kelly era. But that's with, with that completely being, different subject. With that being par for the course, uh, for for lack of a better term, what will it take in looking at this schedule and looking at this roster and looking at the next few years for them to get over the hump and not just be a New Year's Six Bowl team but be a playoff team where they were before? And then uh, second question there is what will it take for them to be effective in a playoff? Um, I mean, I think it'll take one of those either, you know, elite, elite-level quarterbacks, um, mm-hmm sprinkled with a couple, uh, you know, elite skill position guys. Because if if you look at it this year, we have, you know, offensive line is going to be one of the top ten in the country. Defensive line is going to be one of the top in the country, specifically the defensive ends. Um, Secondary is usually on par, but usually where the difference, if you look at all those top teams, if you look at the Mm -hmm. quarterbacks who've played in the college football playoff, you know, you have almost a transcendent type quarterback in those situations. And, Ian Book is going to be a fantastic quarterback this year. Um, I think he has definitely NFL potential. Um, I am fully on board with him being a top 10 quarterback this year, but he's not one of those guys who can absolutely take over via uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a second-tier type, uh, type talent. Yeah, and he's either an eight-round guy, not a first-round guy. Exactly, and looking at... And, and that's not a shot at him. It's more uh-huh. just looking at the facts of who have been the quarterbacks to win the college football playoff are. And it's such yeah. an elite bar. And then you look at the talent that surrounds them from a skill position. And I, I don't think Notre Dame's far, far behind. Because when you look at it, I kind of break it out in a couple different tiers. You have Alabama and Clemson are kind of in their own, their own tier. And then you look at Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State in kind of the next tier. And then following that, it's kind of Notre Dame is at the top of the next list. So they're close, um, which as a Notre Dame fan, it's, you know, we, we don't get always the SEC type of recruiting talent. So it's not a bad place to be. So it's it's something where it's definitely attainable. And I think some of the recruits that we have coming up in the 2020 and 2021 recruiting cycle, you know, we have a you know potential five-star quarterback who's already signed for 2021. We have a five-star running back and five-star receiver coming in next year. So I think the kind of the setting the base at Notre Dame is a 10-win team and shifting that paradigm, They now they're officially generally should be a 10-win team to what is it going to take to get that playoff push. I think it's attracting some of those recruits because the, pitch to, the pitch to some of those recruits now is not let's help 
build the program so we can win a national championship. It's you are the missing piece to help us you, get to that national championship. You get us over. It's a it's a welcome departure from the early 2000s, late 90s of five-win football. So I think when expectation shifts, you know, things are moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so Matt? You touched on it. A, yes, Joe. Um, you touched on it a little bit there. For me, a lot of the difference isn't necessarily the talent between Notre Dame and between Georgia and Alabama and Clemson. It's the depth. And what Clemson and Alabama, and they do every year, they're basically a factory. You touched on it, too. Like, when, when one guy leaves, they have a new five-star, high four-star recruit to replace them. Notre Dame lost some key offensive linemen last year. They lost some key linebackers. They lost, obviously, a key corner in Julian Love. Who is filling those roles this year? Who, who's going to be starting for us linebacker? Who's going to be filling in a corner? Who do we have? I, the offensive line returns for starters, but you said that's got to have to build a little bit. Who's filling in this year that we're going to – who's going to be the new names that we're going to be seeing this year as kind of the, the key fill-ins in those spots? Because that's kind of the next step Notre Dame has to take, excuse me, if they want to be one of those teams, is they have to replace those guys without much worry. Yeah, so I'll actually start on the defense because I think that's where a little bit more of the question marks are, um, particularly great. at linebacker after losing Kayvon Coney and Drew Tranquil, um, yeah. who were two make-an-all-American type list type of guys. Um, and so the, the returning the returning starter is Asmar Bilal. So he's going to take his spot. Initially, he has been at Mike in the what spring, but they shift. Yeah, great name. But they shifted him back to um, shifted him back to Buck, which is just like an outside linebacker. So we'll see him um, at outside linebacker, a guy that um, is going to start versus Louisville, but it'll be interesting to see how much he plays consistently throughout the year is Drew White, who is a kind of undersized linebacker, Joe Schmidt type. I hate to throw in the stereotype there, but, you know, he's six foot, 225, knows the playbook, came in and filled in versus maybe last year because he understood all the, the triple option run fits. So he's a guy who's going Joe to make Schmidt. the <laughs> – it, it really is. And it's, it's he really kind of looks Joe like Schmidt. him too. <laughs> um, which, again, if you think about it, Joe Schmidt was the team MVP and was a great linebacker for Notre Dame. But, again, doesn't have that transcendent level – or even athletic freak type thing that you see across the board at the other elite programs. So yeah. there are some young guys alongside of him who will definitely play. And the good thing about playing Louisville is Louisville is not very good, so we'll see a lot of the guys play. Um, so some some guys to watch at the mic um, outside of Drew Wright include, include Shane Simon, who's kind of your prototypical like athletic freak who played, who's a massive safety in high school, who switched to outside linebacker and now is switching to middle linebacker. So I think he's played a couple different positions, but I think he'll find his fit towards the mid middle of the season this year at Mike linebacker. Um, and then another guy who you see over at Mike is Bo Bauer, who is a that's an awesome name. Yeah, Notre Dame's linebacker crew really just has some good names across the board. Brian here. Kelly does a great job recruiting. You know, names. I'm not sure you know about talent, but wow, there are some names: Tavon you know, Coney, Aspar Malal, Bo Bauer. Like, come on, you know, Brian, kids you're doing a great job. Kids used to put posters of players up on their wall. Matt's just going to plaster a big roster on his wall and just highlight his favorite <laughs> name and just look at it every night. Just look at that name so, right there over my bed. <laughs> of that 18-year-old. Okay. So uh, that, that, got, that, got that got weird. That got weird, quickly. That got weird really quickly, Matt. Joe, Joe started this. Joe started this. Please go on, Phil. Save me for myself. Okay, so Bo Bauer, yeah. So outside of his name, he would have been like a first-team All-American in like 1985. He's just a big, not-too-fast guy who just loves filling the hole. And so he's just like really a good run stopper. 
So we'll see him playing throughout the year, and he'll be on special teams. But kind of a breakout player who hasn't – I don't think he's played a meaningful snap of football for Notre Dame this year is their rover, which is a kind of a mix between a um, outside linebacker and a safety. So generally it's just a smaller – Smaller outside linebacker, and speaking of names, this is a good one, uh, Jeremiah Uwusukoa. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. So he, that's yeah. too. So the, there's, there's been there's been some uh, some comparisons to Jalen Smith at athleticism at linebacker. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that not, far. Let's not go I'm, that far. Yeah, I'm not gonna go that far, but some people are. Um, I don't think I think he has similar athleticism and twitch but just not that size. Um, and he's not in that position, but I think he's going to be, you know, look for number six on the defense to just be wreaking havoc, especially at that rover spot. He'll be coming off the edge. He'll be in pass coverage. Um, so he'll be he'll be a really fun one to watch. And then, obviously, the the two biggest names, or two of the biggest names right now for Notre Dame are Julian Aquara um, and Khalid Kareem. So those are both two, you know, potentially should both be first, First, well, first, first second round draft picks. Type. First, yeah. So, first to mid second round draft picks for both of them, and having those on mm-hmm. opposite sides of the defensive end is just—it's a treat for the secondary. Is really what it is. You mentioned those two. I want to ask you about another edge rusher, I guess type. Um, Dalen Hayes is a guy who we've seen some flashes from. Uh, doesn't really seem to be getting the recognition that those two are getting, and probably rightfully so, because Kareem and Oguara have probably proven it so much. Mo- more last year than, than Hayes did. What can we expect from Dalen Hayes this season? Is, is this more of a breakout type year for him? Is this a little bit of a make or break type year for him if he wants to be an NFL player? He's definitely going to be an NFL player. He would be starting on pretty much probably 95% of the college football teams around the country. And some inside information that I've gotten actually from from my that's why we, dad. That's why we bring you on. Yeah, from from my dad. <laughs> Breaking news on the Muslim podcast. Yeah, my dad's resource is that he was actually dealing with some much more severe uh, shoulder issues Mm. going into last season than was being given off. And so he had seen some surgeon specialists who had worked with him outside of Chicago and things like that. And so, again, he was dealing with a lot more, I think, injury issues last year and all the reports coming into this year that he's fully healthy. So then you're getting and should get that five-star guy. So really there's going to be situations, especially in – third and, you know, eight plus, where both, all three of those guys are going to be on the field. And those three and probably combination are, I can confidently say, are top, you know, one, two, or three pass rush combinations in the country. And so that's that'll make everybody's lives easier, especially for the linebackers behind them. When you have someone who's going to be, you know, forces up front and forces around the edge, it just makes the reads a lot cleaner for the linebackers because it creates panic amongst the quarterback very quickly. Phil, uh, you mentioned his name earlier, but with the graduation and departure of Drew Tranquil, am I right in saying that he was the defensive captain? He called the defense last year out there. Yeah, he was Where, the heart. He was the heart and soul. Who takes on that role of, you know, defensive captain, being in the huddle, calling the play, making the adjustments from the linebacker level? Jr. I honestly think it's it's going to be a mix from the linebackers, but I really think it's going to come from actually the back end is going to be okay. the ones who are really directing the flow. So looking at uh, both senior safety captains um, and Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman. So they're both returning and were two of the highest graded safeties in the country last year. 
mm-hmm. um, both have preseason All-American type hype. Um, I am have never been more confident about the safety position. Um, and then you throw in a third guy, a freshman, Kyle Hamilton, who's the only five-star from this recruiting class, who's being heralded um, kind of as the best incoming freshman for Notre Dame since uh, Manti Teo and Jay and Elliott. Yeah, he had 15-plus interceptions throughout camp, which well, is pretty good. Pretty, pretty up hell, yeah. So he's yeah. going to be – we're going to see him play a lot in kind of nickel and dime situations as well as give uh, those two safeties a, a break because they played pretty much every snap of the season last year. And towards the end of the season, you could tell that they were worn down. So giving those two a break, but also putting them in a dime situation where you have someone like Hamilton who's 6'3", 215 with a 40-inch vertical, just roaming the middle of the field. And so when you have those all those defensive ends rushing the quarterback, we're going to see a lot of balls that are going to get floated either from trying to get them out too quickly or hit from a disruption. And Hamilton's been a guy throughout camp who's been everywhere around the ball. So it wouldn't be a surprise for me to see him, you know, not start, um, because the two guys in front of him, but but have significant time and constantly be around the ball. Well, uh, that, that will definitely be something to keep an eye on with, um, you know, things kind of, as you said, trickling down from the back to the front. And if you have that sort of talent in in your defensive line and then that sort of um, takeaway ability behind them, it, like you said, it just makes life easy on linebackers to go out there and look like all pros. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got one more question for you. Um, it, it's unfortunately one we kind of had to address the last few years in Notre Dame fans. I'm high on Ian Book. You're very high on Ian Book, obviously, going into this year. But the last couple of years, last couple of seasons, Notre Dame's kind of had to dip into the backup quarterback role, the, the what, whatever you want to say with Brandon Wimbush, not really fulfilling the roles with um, Ian Book having to step in the last last year especially, but two years ago as well. Where is Phil Yurkovic? Um, and – if Ian Book were to ultimately go down at some point this year, have to miss a couple of weeks, how confident are we in him stepping up and running this offense for a couple of weeks? I think I was so I was at the spring game and seeing him Jerkovich throw made me pretty nervous. Um, but that the good. reports, but there is good news. So it seems like he throughout the work pretty aggressively. I think they actually just kind of, I think they, in the spring, they really tried to change up his mechanics, and I think it was kind of messing him a little bit with the way the, way the ball released. Um, he was trying to go from a little bit more sidearm to a really high release, and so I think it was just a transition in the spring, and it looks like he's really gotten used to that throwing motion, so it, he doesn't look like he's thinking out there, so the reports throughout camp is that he looks like a confident backup. Um, he's, he's not going to be a guy where, you know, he comes in and he's the, the Tua or the Trevor Lawrence who, you know, comes in and just blows up and shocks the world. I think he can be a very, very good quarterback for Notre Dame, but he just doesn't have the full, complete grasp of the offense to dominate where he can hit every throw. Um, but I think, I think when, if he comes in, I would dip from like a 10-11 win to, you know, 9-10 win, maybe, yeah, probably, probably 9. I would, I would more on the, the 9 win train there, but it's not going to be a, a massive drop-off. Um, and he's a person who has all the skills, just hasn't had the game experience. So what's really going to be key for Notre Dame is getting uh, Yurkovic in the in the games like Louisville, uh, New Mexico, Bowling Green, and just getting him as much action as possible to, one, boost his confidence, but, two, just to make sure Ian Book doesn't get hurt in a dumb situation. Yeah. Um, Phil, I Phil love Wack- your confidence here. I really <laughs> do. I really uh, do. I wish I had it. 
last one for me, Phil, and I'm going to take us uh, to the coaching ranks. This being uh, Brian Kelly's 11th season at the helm for Notre Dame. He ties, I believe, Eric Procedian and Lou Holtz uh, at that number, 11, and is only two shy of Mitt Rocky's 13. Uh, forecasting the next couple of years, do you believe that Brian Kelly catches and surpasses Newt Rockney and his tenure extends beyond that 13? I do. I do. I don't, I don't think he is going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of that is I think when people get on the train of we need to find the next hot new coach, I don't really look around and say, greener. yeah, and I also don't look around the college football landscape right now, and maybe that'll change in the next year or two, saying, like, I really wish we had or could get, like, that guy. Um, and yeah, I, 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 yeah, there's three of them. They're at Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm talking about the new, I really the hate admitting it, but I'm pretty confident with, 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 yeah, with who we have running Notre Dame, which is the complete 180 that I've taken over the last couple of years. Over the last, and like, think, 20 minutes. Yeah, and even even the coaching staff that we have right now, I think what will be the bigger the bigger thing is some of the coordinators that we have if they get pulled away somewhere else. I think that'll. Do you have think a, either a, one of those two is gone after this year? Because like those coordinators have been fantastic, and last year yeah. both of them, Clark Lee, and um, I, why am I blank on the offense? Chip Long did a very Chip good job. Long. Do you think both of those guys either either neither or both are gone after this season? I say neither, but I say last year is, their, I hope is, you're right. their, is going to be their last year. So I think I think if they leave after this year, they would get the the MAC, the WAC, the American Athletic Conference type head coaching jobs. I think if they stick around a year longer, they could get the lower tiers of the Power Five as a head coach. And I think that's ultimately their goal. And is that you know, better I, I, than being the offensive and defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, though, like if if U of not, I comes calling and says, "Hey, do you want to be our head coach?" Is that really better than being an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame? It's not, but at, at the same time, if they want to make it to the head coaching level at one of the elite programs like Notre Dame, like one of the top SEC programs, they have to go and take the next step. Um, and yeah. I think having a, they're at the coordinator job with the college football playoff, so the next step is a head coach at, you know, look at like a, like a Vanderbilt-type program where it's in, they're playing elite schools, you look at the turnaround, you get them going or something like that, but not, they're not going to get a head coaching job at, you know, Clemson or anything, or any of the major ones, until they prove that they can do it playing elite competition. Hey, what's his name? I'm, why am I blanking on uh, Texas Tech, now Arizona Kingsbury. I was going to say, <laughs> Kingsbury got the job at Arizona after 12 minutes at USC and a subpar he uh, got the job because he was friends with Kyler Murray. That's literally but it. That's the only the, there's, the I'm saying there's out, there's outside circumstances that can there sometimes are. bring these things to light or, or a good press run or something like that that makes everyone believe in you. But I do agree with your sentiment that, um, you know, a coordinator job to a, let's say, uh, a power five conference head coach, top tier type thing is, uh, is rare, rare to come by, the, no doubt. Yeah. The only thing that I will say about the college football landscape in the next year is I think Urban Meyer is going to end up at USC, which is going to make me hate USC with a passion that I don't <laughs> think I've ever hated anything in my life. Even with okay. Michigan, I would hate it. Well, mostly because I I don't I don't think I, I dislike Michigan. I don't think share the same hatred. Um, I hate him so much. Mostly, mostly because I like that Harbaugh called out 
Urban Meyer. And I also like that Harbaugh is just like a true psycho football guy, where I think Urban is just like a bad guy. I think <laughs> Harbaugh is, just is a bad guy, but like, I think they're all kind of bad guys. He, at some point, if you're going to call out Urban Meyer, like maybe beat him once or don't be 0-4 against him and like not even come close. Well, no, he, he, maybe he, 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 he called him out for the subtle like other stuff that was going on. Yeah, but maybe if you're going to call him out for the other stuff, have a win against the money resume. Don't be 0-4. Yeah. Sorry. But I'm no. just excited for the scandal to follow at USC. So oh, I mean, eventually yeah, it'll, rip down the, rip, it'll rip down their program, too. And then With or without Urban a, Meyer, there will be a scandal yeah, there at some they'll point. suddenly have a, a new heat stroke disease that just takes them away right before things go down. Just a match, a match made in heaven there. A scandal <laughs> and one It really is. That is a yeah. perfect – that's a perfect set. Urban Meyer at USC. Just fuel, just, well, just like, I just feel like the emperor in Star Wars just, like, fuels my hate. We Maybe didn't come here to be smirch. A sick man who walked away from the game for whatever sorry, reason. Sorry, sure, sorry, sorry. Yeah, people forget that. He's very sick. Nor did we come here to talk about uh, Matt's uh, poster pensions or anything of that. Uh, what about my but, gambling? But still, oh yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna take it? You wanna take it there right now, or are we gonna do that outside? We of we, 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 we take that outside. You wanted to boast about your your. I'm just, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped to be free. Yeah, we're all excited so. for you, but we're super excited to have had Phil Goff here on the Moose and Roots podcast. As always, check him out at One Foot Down, and is the podcast also One Foot Down? Yes. The One Foot Down podcast as well, where he'll be appearing throughout this season. Phil, we're hoping that uh, you and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish both have successful seasons, Phil. Absolutely. One closing thought. Um, I I don't blame you guys for Notre Dame losing in the cost football playoff, but yeah, you guys we had me on. We messed. I, I stopped myself. We messed up. We didn't have you on. We were undefeated we with you oh, on. Oh yeah. We were undefeated with Phil on. We didn't have him on the preview, and then you know Julian Love faked an injury, and then they lost. All right. Well then, yeah. so, let's do let's do like a tight ten minutes before Georgia, a tight ten before Michigan. I'd say a tight ten before SC, and then see where we're at. Okay. Yeah, I, I can have it. I, exactly. Just I just I just don't want to I just don't want to mess up my own superstition. So beautiful. Keep that schedule clear, Phil. <laughs> you know you're always welcome here, Phil. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you later. So there you have it, uh, Phil Goff, giving us a great look at what we can expect out of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this season. Matt, uh, he is high on these guys, high on Brian Kelly, high on the outlook for this season, and I think it's gotten me a little bit more excited for Notre Dame football than I was uh, 20 minutes ago. I really hope he's right. Um, <laughs> I have not been the biggest, you know, Brian Kelly fan on this podcast. And th- this season isn't a reflection of how I feel about Brian Kelly. It's real more of just, I think that the depth isn't quite there. The schedule definitely isn't there. They have a really tough schedule. Um, Phil was mentioning, you know, games against Virginia Tech. Virginia is kind of like down weeks. That Those are tough, tough games for Notre Dame um, with Michigan at Michigan on the schedule, at George on the schedule. Um, I'm not as high on them as Phil is. I still think nine and three, ten and two is very attainable, but I think that would be considered, you know, a good season as opposed to, you know, needing to make that playoff be eleven and one, twelve and zero for this to be considered a good year. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that that's a good uh, good measuring it, stick, and it'll a lot be, of talent gone there that they have to replace. A ton of talent gone that they'll have to replace, but they've done a a really good job of that over the last. Um, Half decade, decade. They, so they, they're um, on the right be... track, and they're getting there. I mean, if you you look at Notre Dame's recruiting classes, they're you know continually, especially the last two or three Definitely. years, they're top, top five. Time top they're 10, getting yeah. there, yeah. Um, but it's just they're not Georgia, they're not Alabama, and until you're kind of at that level, I mean, they, they have a lot of tough road games. 
Um, I don't think there is, I, I think they're about as good of a team as Michigan, but going into that environment, going to Michigan is going to be really tough. Um, and they, they don't have a lot of layups on the schedule outside of those, uh, I think the Bowling Green and New mm-hmm. Mexico, but outside of those two, there's not a whole lot of layups. And it's, it's tough to go through a college football season completely unscathed when you don't have yeah, those. those Duke and Navy games are going to be toughies. Okay. They always are for some reason or another, but um, I was being One of those there. teams will play Notre Dame very tough. You, you might <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, let's jump into some uh, segments here before we say goodbye. What do you say? I would love that. I'm going to start it off? Sure. Matt, buy or sell. Um, this past week, we saw the signing of uh, Dwight Howard to the Los Angeles Lakers, further boosting that 4-5 uh, position that will be uh, – uh, inhabited by uh, Anthony Davis and was supposed to be backed up by DeMarcus Cousins, but since a knee injury and a possible uh, legal proceeding uh, will likely not be, but uh, Dwight Howard has been added to the fold with the Los Angeles Lakers. Matt, buy or sell Dwight Hi- Howard getting a contract before Carmelo Anthony? Um, I guess it makes sense because, um, first off, he already had the contract, right, because the, the Grizzlies had to buy him out. Yes. Um, it, yeah, it kind of makes sense because – I don't really. I still don't know what Carmelo really provides to a team. If he's not shooting lights out, he really provides nothing to you at this stage. Whereas Dwight Howard can still provide some defense, some rebounding, um, and that's really all the Lakers are going to ask him to do. So yeah, I, I don't think either player is all that good anymore. But I will buy Dwight Howard getting the contract first, just because I think he serves more use to an NBA team, uh, especially one like the Lakers who just lost to Marcus Cousins. Um, now for apparently multiple reasons. Um, but who just lost who lost to Marcus Cousins? They really had that role to fill, and it just it, it's an easier role to fill with Dwight Howard than what you know Carmelo kind of provides to a team. If that makes sense. I, I buy it for a different reason. Um, I buy it because I think Dwight is okay with who he is right now. He's okay with playing fourteen minutes a night and being a role player. Carmelo could have a place in this league if he understands that you can't shoot the ball 25 times tonight. If he understands that he's going to come off the bench and play 20 minutes and uh, provide those, those points because the guy can still score the basketball. He can still shoot the basketball, but he has a complete uh, unwillingness to amend, change, or adapt his game to what is needed from him. He still wants to be the guy and score the ball. That's why things didn't work out in Houston. Mm. Um, so I think we're kind of both on the same page there. I'm going to keep things football related with my buy or sell because it's football season now and nothing else really matters to me. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick named the, the starting QB for week one for the Dolphins. I think both of us are a little bit surprised there. Buy or sell. I'm going to amend this a little bit. By week eight, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still your Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. Uh, I think, I think you need to further clarify the question by week eight or just week eight, because I think this is a situation where it's going to be, we're going to be leapfrogging back and forth all season between uh, Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. I think that the starting role gets passed. That baton gets passed at least three, four times this season. Um, I, I really do. And I think it's a shame. So I guess I, I sell it because I want to see Josh Rosen succeed, because I root for Josh Rosen, because at the end of this season, Josh Rosen will likely be headed somewhere else or will likely be in a quarterback battle with Tua Tagovailoa. Like, yeah. that's just it, the trajectory of his career has had so many, no pun intended, false starts that I don't know if we ever get to see Josh Rosen be what he is supposed to be. Um, now he 
He's being tested by a journeyman quarterback that just has a way of making things work rather than them giving him the time and uh, the respect to develop into the quarterback that he's supposed to be. But by week eight, I think we've at least seen Josh Rosen take starting snaps by week eight. I, I would agree with you there. I don't think Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown that he can't really hold on to a job for that long because that's just kind of who he is. have a great three-week stretch and then throw six interceptions week four. The decision just makes zero sense to me. I, I know they have a new <laughs> coach coming in. I know he probably wants to get off on the right foot and start winning some ball games. You have to – I think you have to kind of be a realist of where you're at, though, as, as a Miami Dolphins head coach. You're not winning the division. You're very, as someone, very unlikely going. Very unlikely you're going to the playoffs. Ryan Fitzpatrick who, is a 36 year old quarterback. That is, you, yeah. you know what he is, and as much as maybe he had a better camp than Josh Rosen, he's only getting you so far. And Josh Rosen yeah. probably is also only getting you so far, but we don't know that. I this, actively this, root. Good. No, I, say, I actively root for the Miami Dolphins. I've multiple times on this podcast before so explained my allegiance. Second team. Yeah. yeah. They're going to be the worst team in football this year. I, it just, it just, everything points to that, and like unintentionally, not like a tank for Tua type thing. They're going to unintentionally be the worst team in football this year. It just, this, I, I agree. They're, the talent really isn't there. For some reason, they're trying to trade for Jadavian Clowney or interested in trading for him. That yeah. would not end well because they give up way too high of a pick. That's neither here nor there. It makes no sense for them to start their journeyman quarterback. You traded for for Josh Rosen. You know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's not young, obviously. He's in his late 30s. He is who he is. He's a solid backup. See what you have in Josh Rosen. It's probably not much, but you don't know that until he's played eight, you know, nine games. Yet another, yet another season where the Patriots' biggest uh, division challenge will be the themselves. New York Jets. Yeah, it's going to be the New York Jets. Yeah, but it's themselves. Yes, themselves. The, I understand Patriots what you're saying. The biggest yeah. challenge in the division is staying healthy. All right, Matt, let's uh, keep this thing trucking. I got a couple more for you here. Buy or sell. We saw uh, Rory McIlroy walk away $15 million richer last weekend. Um, excuse me. That was a very uh, exciting finish. Um, in my estimation, the right guy won. The right guy walked away with the money. Um, but buy or sell the new format coming into the week, uh, giving Brooks, or excuse me, yeah, giving Brooks, no, Brooks was in third. Who was in first yeah. coming into the week? Justin, uh, Justin Thomas. Thomas. Giving Justin Thomas the two-stroke lead. You know, he goes out there, doesn't play his best golf. Do you think that this format will, year after year, flesh out the best player, buy or sell the format? I do. Uh, I'm in on it because it still rewards you for having, you know, success in prior tournaments, you know, throughout the whole season. But at the same time, it's just, it's, we're not worried it makes about that- it, it makes, makes it that so week much matter. easier to follow. You know, it make, makes yeah. that makes it easier to follow, and it makes that week matter so much. Not that yeah. it doesn't in the first place, but like it's it's tangible, it's understandable yeah. to like what I need to do to win here. Hey, this guy's ten under, and we're just playing a tournament now. Like it just makes it a lot easier to follow. And even like I I'm I consider myself a, a pretty avid golf fan. Even going into you know East Lake, like we had the last couple of years, I wasn't always technically certain of what had to happen for who to win like i know justin rose won it last year but it was also kind of weird seeing tiger win the tournament be the one celebrated and then handing a trophy off to justin rose it's just yeah it's it's a little bit that tournament if, if they want to build it up it'll never be a major but kind of the the next closest thing to that if they want to build it up i think they kind of have to have that 
as cliche as it might sound, kind of that trophy end of the year moment, like where you're handing it off to a guy who just won it, not have two guys taking pictures together like Tiger and Justin Rose were. Like. <laughs> um, so yeah, I buy it. I, I think it's a lot of fun, and it just it simplifies everything, which is I think one of golf's biggest uh, obstacles is just making things very very simple and easy to follow. Yeah, um, I'm there with you. Hit me. All right, we're going to go back to football because, again, like I said, my last buy or sell, it's football season, so we're out of football. Um, kind of touched on earlier, at least I did. Buy or sell, I don't really know how to phrase this. Uh, buy or sell, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, taking the baton from Kyler Murray, who took it from Baker Mayfield. Do, do we see a s- similar season to those two, or is it more of Jalen Hurts at Alabama? No, I, I sell it. Um, I think that he'll have a successful season. He'll lead them to plenty of wins, but I think we saw Jalen Hurts at his best at Alabama. Um, they're going to have to tailor the offense around him. And yes, he fits into that same sort of mold in the offense that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield put forward. But I think Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield both have far better arms than Jalen Hurts. I think yeah. that they're both just head and shoulders better passers than Jalen Hurts. Um, so I, I don't think we see a Heisman year. I don't even think we see him at the Heisman Awards ceremony. Uh, so I'm going to sell that big time. Um, I am with you. I think he's – I don't want to call him a game manager because I think he's better than that. And I think we saw, you know, he's capable of beating pretty good football teams. Uh, like he did in the SEC Championship last year when Tua went down and he kind of had to come and fill in. But I, mm-hmm. I just I don't see him as the electric type player that Kyler Murray and uh, Baker Mayfield were. So I'm with you. I, I think Oklahoma's good. I think he has a good year. I'm not sure we see him in New York. I'm not sure he puts up those types of numbers. But also, like I said, big test here for Lincoln Riley. Is it more of is it his system, or did he just kind of luck into having two really really good quarterbacks back to back years? Did you hear that though? That was uh, did you hear me compliment Kyler Murray? That was a I snuck a. It was a snuck. Well, yeah, a you, snuck complimented, you, you complimented college Kyler Murray. So, like, congrats. Yeah. He was really good in college. We all knew yeah. that. The only Kyler Murray history we'll remember. Let's move on. <laughs> That's all I got for you. So, what do you got for you? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I had a couple over unders for you. I Ooh, think we've I seen uh, seen yeah, a couple things that, uh, that um, you know, we can quantify a little bit here. Uh, we're going to take it to the NFL. Quantifying. I know this has been a college pod, and we will have our NFL divisional preview next and uh, and Bears spectacular coming next week uh, that'll have to come to you before Thursday. That'll be coming to you uh, somewhere in the middle of the week, possibly Wednesday, to lead up to that uh, 100th year kickoff between the Bears and the Packers. But the, the over-unders that I want to pose to you here are uh, not regarding the Chicago Bears. Over-under, Matt, Josh Gordon playing six and a half games this season. I want to take the over, so I'm going to take the over. Um, I, I still think he's kind of in the right place, the right system, the right franchise to get him right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's just more me believing in him and that franchise. So yeah, I'm going to say over. I think the Patriots get him to play about half the year. Um, I, I really have no other reason other than my gut feeling tells me yes, because if he is playing, that team is so much better. It's so much different. And I think they figure out a way to get him going. Yep, I'm yeah, I'm there with you. Over. I'm rooting for the over as well because he does have the ability to be the best receiver in the game, and I'm not. I don't think that's hyperbole at all. He's a physical freak, and uh, I want to see him succeed. Yeah, um, the other over unders for him. Yeah, the other over under I had for you was kind of in the different direction. Over under yeah. games missed for Ezekiel Elliott 
three and a half. So uh, do we see Zeke prior to week four? I'm going to go over. Um, this doesn't seem like it's getting resolved all that all that soon. I think Jerry Jones will kind of eventually cave, but he's also a, a pretty proud person, and this might not be the time to be proud because as, as, as much as you don't want to pay running back, Zeke is probably the exception to that. Um, I, I don't think either is going to budge anytime soon. I think Le'Veon Bell kind of set a precedent last year that yeah, it, it's okay to sit out of here um, if, if you need to get yours, and, and Zeke clearly wants that. I, I don't necessarily agree with Zeke sitting out you know, two years before his contract's up, but that's kind of neither here nor there. Um, I, I see that as kind of two bulls butting heads, butting horns, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't think either one is going to budge all that quickly. So, yeah, I, I think he misses a lot of this season. I, I yeah, don't know what I, a lot is yet, but I think it's more than three and a half games. I, I, we've agreed a lot on this podcast, but I agree with you again here, and I I believe Stop that— Stop agreeing with me. It's bad for ratings. I believe that missing a season almost makes Zeke more marketable for his next contract. Yeah. I really do. Um, so, uh, like you said, a lot of leverage from that standpoint. I guess, where are you at if you're Jerry Jones and you have all this money to give out? Dak wants 40 a year, which is laughable. Um, Amari Cooper wants to get paid. Zeke wants to get paid. and. Who are you paying? Where are you sending this money? I pay Ezekiel Elliott. I see if we can come to a shorter-term deal with Amari Cooper, and I tell Dak Prescott, we don't think you're all that good. Yeah, I kind of um, say thanks, but no thanks to Dak, which is there's weird. A, because there's a lot a quarterback of quarterback talent. League. Yeah, but there's a lot of quarterback talent across the league right now. There are some fantastic quarterbacks that we mentioned previously in this, previously in this podcast that could come into Dallas and, uh, and make their presence felt. I don't believe... And I know 40 is going to be the going number three or four years from now, but I don't Dak believe Prescott's Dak Prescott is the guy who should move the market. No, uh, just, I just don't think he's that good. I think that there are. He's I think no that there Mitchell are, Trubisky. I think that there are 10 to 12 quarterbacks that should get 40 before him. Um, and I know life isn't fair, and sometimes it's just a matter of situation, and these guys get money that sometimes uh, is above their pay grade, but that's uh, a stretch and a half for me. So, no, I'm with you. Um, I know it's technically Dak, his turn, but he hasn't been that I don't like think he, Dak he shouldn't gets, be. He shouldn't uh, be the, the highest paid quarterback in football. The reason I don't give Dak forty a year is because I don't think Dak gets forty a year anywhere in the NFL. No, if he I don't is, think any team gives him forty a year I and handcuffs themselves cap wise. I'm with you. I don't think a team no is going to pay. A, there might be a bidding war that gets him up to you know the, the mid thirties because that's what people do. I don't see a team you know a, a, when if if and when Dak becomes a free agent saying hey here's you know six years 40 million you know 40 per whatever it is i just i don't see it i don't think he's that good i don't think anybody thinks he's that good uh because Matt, you look at him he's had the best offensive line in football he's had the best running back in football and last year you know he had a top wide receiver i mean he, he's never really had to do it all on his own he's always had that help we've uh we've dug into the numbers a little bit but let's get to the only numbers that matter matt before we say goodbye to the people we have to offer up our first lock of the week and i will let uh, matt stradamus make his pick first since well, you're on yeah, such a I'm heater a, i'm on a heater um and this is going to sound like a very degenerate pick that's okay with me because I, I think that's that's my market right there um i'm going to take the first half line of army tonight uh army <laughs> is hosting rice so, yeah, okay. big, big marquee matchup there. Uh, Army is minus 12 in the first half against Rice. I, wow. I Army, Army's a very good team. They return a lot of talent. I forget the quarterback's name, but I know he's back. and He's, he's been really good. Um, 12 points doesn't seem like a whole lot for me at home. They have a night game at home, which they don't have very often. I think that crowd, that environment's going to be awesome. 
give me give me Army minus twelve in the first half. They're twenty three and a half for the game. I'm not sure I love that just because the you know the option offense it's tough to put up that many points. Um, or I don't know what it is, but give it. me the under. How about that? The over under is forty seven and a half. I wouldn't hate that. That's not yeah. a bad pick because Army could very well win this game. You know, uh, that right there. Three. That right there is a bonus lock of the week, but my lock of the week is going to come from the Virginia Tech-Boston College game. Mm. I'm going to take Virginia Tech covering four and a half on the road at Boston College. That's uh, tough, man. A conference game on the road. Lance, conference game on the road. Who, who prepared? Who prepared coming into the season? I just don't. I have no faith in Boston College. Um, haven't heard a thing about them, but uh, I think Virginia Tech goes in there and lays a number on them. What's it that that's uh isn't Justin Fuentes their head coach? Didn't I see that's like his his last year maybe? Did I see that I don't know. I might Someone on their staff is retiring. I'm not could sure. be true. Could be false. Could be false. But, I, but if it's true, you you probably want to take that. But I stand by my uh, I stand by my pick and my podcast partner. Man. Oh, wow, wow, that's the nicest All right. thing you've said to me in 118 <laughs> episodes. That's the nicest uh, well, thing you've said to me. You stand by me. Don't uh, don't get used to it, but. Uh, Moose and Runes fans, you can get used to hearing us uh, every week uh, as we come here through the football season. Uh, things are going to get uh, ramped up and going as, as they back. always do during the season. We're going to have your locks of the week. We're going to have your mailbag questions. We're going to have your buyer sells, and we're going to have some Bears football analysis all right here on the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 119, coming to you next week. It is our NFL football preview. Uh, we're going to have all the picks that you need to know to get you ready for week one in the greatest game Spoiler on the face alert, of the God's Bears are going to 16 and up. Spoiler Bears. alert. Next week's podcast. Bears. Bears. Bears are so bad. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso, and until then, we'll see you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the stick was phenomenal. <laughs>